It's showtime. Don't say it, please. Don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime. It's showtime, everybody. Showtime. Hello and welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. I'm show as always, and you know I have definitely gotten a little behind in my podcast, and we kind of. Uh, scrapped some plans, let's say, for some other movies that I have seen, like Aquaman, for example, which came out several months ago. I am very sorry. Bohemian Rhapsody, which uh, came out even longer than that. And yet, here we are. It's the day after the Oscars. It is the, we're, I, I believe it's uh, just around 9 p.m. Eastern when I'm recording this, which means we would just be, if we go back 24 hours, we would just be about an hour into the show, which which is kind of fun because it was there was about... Uh, I want to say five or six awards given out at that time, you know, the, at the hostless Oscars. So, you know, in the spirit of the Oscars, you guys know I love the Oscars. I didn't get to do my picks this year because as I usually try and do, we try and get an episode of the podcast out revolving around Oscar picks and what could win, what probably won't win, what are some good value bets maybe if you're into betting as I sometimes am for the Oscars. I made 50 bucks last night on the Oscars, by the way. Thank you, First Man, and thank you, Olivia Coleman. Uh, But I do want to break it down in a little more of a, let's say, in-depth fashion, okay? And last year, we got Quentin Amundsen, my friend, hockey broadcaster, to come in studio, and Quentin wasn't available before the Oscars this year, so I thought we'd get him after the Oscars, and he joins us on the phone now. All right, Quentin, the Oscars were last night, but before we get to the Oscars, I just wanted you to uh, give us a quick recap of what you're doing out in Alberta. I am out at the Canada Winter Games hockey tournament. Last week I did the men's, and it was a fantastic tournament. Uh, a couple of young phenoms who are vying for exceptional status to play in the OHL and the Western Hockey League were putting on a show, and that was Shane Wright and Matthew Savoy. So I'm getting a really good glimpse at the future of the NHL last week, and now this week with the girls' tournament, the future of Team Canada, the college ranks. It's really cool The Best of Canada coming together here in Red Deer. 19 different sports, and I'm glad to be a small part of that. And do you think uh, these athletes, are these athletes going to be drafted, like on the men's side, for example, going to be drafted, I guess, to the NHL in, I mean, if they get drafted? Largely 2021. Okay. um, And then 2022, and show there is so many scouts here. This was probably one of the most heavily scouted events of the year, so... This was maybe the only opportunity to get the best of Canada all together in one place and to really see who has the goods. And I'm sure a lot of players' stocks rose and maybe a few fell, but it was a really good tournament. And the game was seen nationally on TSN, and it was a big-time win for Ontario, or Quebec, I should say, over Ontario in overtime. So that was absolutely massive, and I'm expecting some more good stuff at the girls' tournament here. All right, well, I'm, I'm from Ontario, so I'm going to uh, have to poo-poo the Quebec win a little bit. But uh, it's exci- that's really exciting, I think. I'm excited for you to tell me all about it when you're back here in Toronto. But for now, uh, you know, last night, as I mentioned, were the Oscars. And, you know, you and I, I, I exchanged some tweets as, as it was. Did you get a chance to actually watch the, the actual ceremony, or were you mostly keeping it via social media? I did have the stream on, and I was watching during the intermissions and before the game. I absolutely couldn't not watch the Oscars. So I I got to see quite a bit of the shows, especially the early category. I thought that 
uh, Tina, Amy, and Maya came out and did a really good little comedy bit to start the show, the three of them together. Uh, maybe that should just be the standard from now on because they just nail it every single time and they took the right jokes at the movie and then uh, also a little bit of a ode to the controversies, the endless controversies that the Oscars had faced this year and I thought that was a great way to start the show. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that's one of my favorite parts of the of this year's ceremony. And not not just I'm not just talking about Tina Fey and Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler. I think I'm talking about mostly the fact that there wasn't a host, and I I was kind of I was kind of watching with a bit of a maybe a bit of trepidation, right? Because you not you don't really know how this is going to go. I know it's happened once before, but it's certainly not since I've been paying attention to movies and in, in, in to this degree, right? So I feel like. It could have gone either way, and all things considered, considering how seemingly slapdash the Oscars were put together this year, I feel like it honestly, all things considered, went pretty well. I think it's a template on how to go forward, because without a host, the focus was just really on the movies, and it was a show of tremendous pace that had some wonderful things to look at. Uh, Some of the presenters really nailed it. I'm thinking about Melissa McCarthy wearing her drab, the <laughs> yeah. rabbit dress. That, that was, was wonderful. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key ascending down like Mary Poppins out of the air. That was pretty cool. Like there, And, of course, uh, maybe the show-stopping moment, uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, they really nailed Shallow. It's a wonderful song, and they were able to do it justice. So this really conjures the emotions of seeing it for the first time in the movie, and that was a really great performance, especially how it was shot. So nice and intimate. Uh, a lot of good production value last night. I feel like the the shallow moment, because we have to get to that, definitely. I mean, there were a lot of really great moments, and I feel like you touched on pretty much all of my favorite ones. But the Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper performance of Shallow, I feel like was probably what the the whole evening was kind of building towards, you know? I feel like ever since A Star Is Born came out, even though it did cool off in the awards race, in a general sense, I feel like Shallow never really lost steam in the song category, right? I mean, I think the Grammys were just a couple of weeks ago. It won the Grammy there, you know? So I feel like it never really went away. And as soon as the producers of these somewhat maligned Oscars, you know, had saw what they had on their hands, I, I almost feel like the whole hostless Oscars were almost built, you know, they're almost built to geared towards that performance of shallow like that that was the kind of you know the big moment of the of the show and they absolutely nailed it i feel like oh yes and just the way that they were with each other i don't think they ever broke eye contact during their performance there was just a lot of uh you know love and admiration there and uh, what they were able to uh discover about each other by playing jackson and Allie were it was just so nice to watch. We really were rooting for them while watching the film. And it's great that they were on the circuit together all year long. And it is a little bit tough that that film was a front runner early on and it did lose a lot of scenes. But yeah, going into last night, Shallow was the biggest block that there was, even more so than a couple of the other safe categories. I feel like, uh, yeah. yeah. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel, I feel like all I was going to say is I feel like you mentioned the locks in terms of categories. And, you know, I feel like the other locks probably were, I would say, you know, we mentioned Shallow. I probably would say Spider-Man was probably a big lock for Best Animated Picture. You know, I feel like Roma was probably a lock for a foreign language film and probably for Best Director. I feel like those are probably pretty hard locked up. But 
Cinematography you know, too. Yeah, cinematography as well. You're absolutely right. And and I feel like you know another lock that I, at least I was going on about was Glenn Close for the wife. And as we both know, that did not happen. Olivia Coleman took home the award for the favorite. And I think I think and I I do think that the Lady Gaga Bradley Cooper shallow moment was my favorite. I guess, scripted moment of the entire evening because it was really well done. There was a lot of great production value. You mentioned how it was filmed. And yet, I think my favorite overall moment was Olivia Coleman winning, not because I dislike Glenn Close or anything. Certainly, I would have loved to see her win, but her speech was so just wonderfully authentic, don't you think? It was. The joy was just radiating out of her body, and I love the moment where she shared with Close calling her her idol. And uh, I know she felt so much joy, but she also felt bad because everybody thought that this would be Glenn Close's moment. And now Glenn Close is the biggest Oscar loser living in the world with seven losses. That's crazy. Um, and that is crazy. And she's had a lot of iconic performances over the years. And the problem is, show that The Wife, she was the only nominee for that film. It's a little known movie. Uh, people weren't watching that. People in their screener piles that they watch before they make their votes really did prioritize the favorite because they had 10 nominations. It looked like it was going to go over 10, but then Coleman was ultimately able to get a win for an amazing performance. It's grotesque. It's funny. You feel sympathy for her. You're disgusted by her. Uh, she was able to really feel out those amazing lines in the favorite so well. And the chemistry that she had on screen with Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone was great. In terms of the actual work, this was a, the right call, I think, by the Oscar voters. And I think you touched on something really interesting there. The idea that, you know, the favorite was up for, how many do you say Oscars it was? Ten? Ten, yeah. yeah. So, so it was up for ten Oscars, and yet the wife was only up for literally this only, this only award. And, I, and I, I feel like even if, if I was thinking about it, I'm thinking about it now from if, it was, if I was in the shoes of an Oscars voter, and whether this is fair or not, I feel like I can at least understand, because if I was watch, if I get a screener in my hand, and in one hand, I, you know, you open it up and it says, for your consideration, and it has a list of all the Oscars it's, it's contending for, and then you open the wife, and it has one category on it. I feel like just out of... For expediency's sake, I would just watch The Favorite and I'd prioritize it and probably every other movie, like even like Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book and Roma and all the other movies we're going to get to in a sec here. First Man, Black Panther, Spider-Man, so on. Because all those movies were nominated for multiple awards. Beale Street, of course. And because The Wife was only nominated for one, I feel like it's, it's relatively easy to see that a lot of the Academy probably just didn't watch The Wife, unfortunately, for Glenn Close. And the problem is it just didn't really have the best uh, theatrical rollout. And, I mean, some people probably were turned off thinking that it would just be the career achievement prize. But I did watch Glenn Close in The Wife. It is a masterful performance, what she's able to do with the building resentment built up in her facial reactions. And she really is a ticking time bomb in that movie, and she explodes as she confronts her husband. But the problem is that, uh, yeah, it just wasn't really a film that could stand out at all. It came all the way out in 2017 at the Toronto International Film Festival. So it came out in the theaters as well in August. So it's all about the timing, unfortunately. And it just came out way too early. They were able to get some momentum of that wonderful Golden Globe speech. But ultimately, yeah, she just wasn't able to see it through. It's that DACA, which has the carryover with the Oscar voters, that really gave Coleman that late little edge in the race. I feel like another, you mentioned the wife came out in 2017. I feel like another, and I, I know we're kind of getting away from what happened last night, but I, I do kind of feel like 
I should talk. We should talk about it at least for a couple of minutes here, because only because Ethan Hawke wasn't even nominated for Best Actor, right? And I feel like had he been nominated, he probably was could have been a character that a lot of candidates could have gotten behind in another way. And you know, you mentioned the wife, like I said, coming out in 2017, and and first Reformed, which is the movie Ethan Hawke would have been nominated for, also came out quite a long time ago. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. It came out in June. It was my second favorite film of the year last year, behind Roma. I thought it was uh, absolutely worthy. Ethan Hawke's performance as a tortured priest was better than any of the five nominated um, performances in my mind. So it's a real shame that he couldn't be in there. Uh, I knew that Paul Schrader's nomination for first screenplay was a a uh, reward in itself. Uh, so that was good. But yeah, it really is about uh, placement. So. Uh, they were not able to get him the nomination. That really set the way for uh, Rami to be the go-to guy this year, uh, battling against Bale for that prize. Yeah, Christian Bale seemed to have a lot of momentum very early on and then faded pretty fast down the stretch. I mean, remember he had that, I think it was the Golden Globe, which I believe is like more or less the first major award of award season. And Christian Bale... Uh, had that uh, really incendiary speech about when he when he compared Dick Cheney to Satan, remember? And then his daughter, his his real like the real life daughter of Dick Cheney, who I believe is a congresswoman, um, kind of called her called him out, and you know you know made made a, alluded to his like alcoholism in the past and stuff like that. And I feel like he he was pretty like in the public eye, and then yeah, he kind of just plummeted as Rip Malik's ascent really just took off, leading to last night's win. But I will say that at one point, uh, he will get that Oscar. And perhaps that also played into it, too, that he does have the Oscar. I right. I'm fully convinced that he's going to get a lead Oscar one day. I think he might very well kind of replace Daniel Day-Lewis, who's now retired with that overall esteem. Christian Bale is a beloved performer, a chameleon who literally summoned Dick Cheney and became the man. I know that's a cliche, but this guy literally does transformations better than anybody. But what really helped Rami Malek, in addition to being very likable, apparently he was good on the circuit, which we can't forget is a big part of yeah, determining true. these things. Um, he was the best bright spot in a film that was kind of maligned. The Bohemian Rhapsody, the problem, the big refrain was that, oh, the film was kind of mediocre, but Rami is great. And when you have an actor that transcends a film, that's a very powerful narrative. And he was able to overcome the... Uh, litany of controversies attached to that film because of its uh, former director Brian Singer. Yeah, and they and I feel like so the, the Bohemian Rhapsody, including uh, Rami Malek's win, won four Oscars last night. It also won for best film editing, best sound editing, and best sound mixing. And I believe for the the three technical awards, I want to say in each of those awards, three people picked up Oscars in each award. So that means including Rami Malek. Ten people took home Oscars. Ten individual human beings took home Oscars last night for Bohemian Rhapsody. And not one single person mentioned Brian Singer in any way, shape, or form. And, and like, I know they probably were told, maybe they decided amongst themselves, maybe they were told by the studio. I don't know what the rationale was or for why they did it, but I mean, I, can, I, can, I can't imagine it would have gone over well with any of the Hollywood crowd for them to have thanked Brian Singer, who is undergoing these legal a- allegations. But at the same time, 
you know, it's kind of weird. It, it, it's, it was weird because they, di- because they didn't do it, you know? Like the absence of them thanking the director, especially when then you have Bohemian Rhapsody going up against things like First Man, which won an Oscar, Black Panther won a number of Oscars, Vice won makeup and hairstyling, which was not a great speech, but it still won an Oscar. And, and in every one of these situations, they all thanked the director, right? It's, like, it's one of the most common things in an award acceptance speech, and it was so noticeably absent from all the Bohemian Rhapsody uh, award winners. I was waiting for John Ottman's speech because John Ottman was the editor and composer for Brian Singer's films, a lot of them, for the last 25 years. Right. Um, looking back to the early X-Men films that I uh, really liked that uh, Singer directed, but he didn't end up thanking uh, Singer. So I was thinking that, okay, maybe uh, some loyalty that was a longtime friend, but yeah, you hit the nail on the head. The press would have absolutely murdered anybody that would have thanked Singer last night in a speech. Okay, we have to we have to get to the best picture race because we talked a little bit about controversy and Bohemian Rhapsody certainly has its fair share of controversy. But I feel like Green Book was, of course, like I mentioned, one best picture, and uh, I, I saw Green Book at TIFF, and it, it ended up being the uh, Grolsch People's Choice Award, which has actually been a relatively accurate predictor, at least in the last five or six years of what goes on to be not necessarily Best Picture winner, but a, a major player at the Oscars in some fashion, right? It's, it, seems to be, it seems to be that case. I want to say Get Out was a, a People's Choice Award winner one year. Um, I, I, th- I think, uh, or no, maybe it was, th- it was Three Billboards, actually. It was Three Billboards was, three the, billboards, was, yeah. the, three, was the People's Choice, because you and I went to go see that movie, actually. And, um, you know, there were some other ones in, in years past. Like I believe Spotlight was it one year. That, like, a, lot, a lot of players... At TIFFs, who who was the People's Choice Award, does go on to become, you know, win win some kind of awards recognition, and yet Green Book was an interesting one because I feel like as the award season dragged on, and even if you take out all the PR disasters surrounding the director and the producers and all those guys, the movie itself was kind of a like, I, I enjoyed it because I enjoyed the interplay between Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. But I feel like the narrative as a whole was a very sanitized, kind of whitewashed look at racism, right? And I feel like in, in the age we live in, that's a hard thing to swallow. And I just kind of, it kind of shocked me, honestly, when Green Book won. Like, I was, I, I didn't think, Roma was, I believe, the odds-on favorite to win. But I don't necessarily think that... It, it was a it was a lock because you know we both know Netflix and the Academy does not necessarily like Netflix movies even though they did, they did win a couple Oscars last night but I don't know I just I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Green Book seemingly descent and then ascent back into Best Picture if you know what I mean. Well, I definitely think that uh, there was a little bit of resilience from some of the voters. I think the online film Twitter that we like to call has been lambasting. Um, Green Book so much that there is that little bit of defiance from the members of the Academy. It's like, well, we do like it, and we're not going to stop you from uh, picking a choice that we want. And, of course, there is that feeling that Green Book, yes, when I saw it, when I came out, it does make you feel good. Um, it has that charming comedy. The interplay between Bigger Mortensen and Mahershala Ali is amazing. The chemistry that they built it is a movie that makes you feel good, but I just feel bad yesterday because it is such a sanitized thing. There were so many great, exciting and progressive wins for Black Panther. Uh, Black Klansman getting that uh, screenplay award for Spike Lee. Um, and there was some love for the favorite in Roma. 
these films that really are resonant and have something interesting to say are stylistically very exciting. And to go to a film that conjures images of Driving Miss Daisy, a film that won back in 1989, ah, that just seems like a big step back, and it really quashed the momentum that was building through the night. And we all thought it was going to be uh, Roma because that would have just been a perfect film for right now to win, a masterpiece that will be talked 50 years down the road. It'll be analyzed by film scholars. It'll be studied by film students. Just such a beautiful piece of art. But ah, they went with a film that I, I guess it just really made them feel good. It just was so formulaic and straightforward. And maybe that's what they wanted. They wanted a taste of nostalgia, a taste of tradition a little bit. And that's the way that they went. I want to read you something that I thought was really interesting. So The Ringer, uh, they have the, they have another podcast. It's called the, I believe it's called The Big Picture. And the host is Sean Fennessy, who um, I've communicated with in the past. Super nice man. He's a very talented writer and uh, media member. And he wrote this article last night uh, that was, pro- I guess it was published this morning from, from Los Angeles, which where The Ringer is uh, based. And okay, this, is, this is how it opens, okay? The title of the, of the article was, the Green Book Best Picture win enters the hall of Oscar travesties. And then the, the, lead, the lead open is, uh, is as follows. The Oscars says it wants to change. It wants to be more diverse. It wants to evolve. It wants to maintain its primacy in a world of divi- divided attention spans and fractured worldviews. It wants to capture the hearts and minds of moviegoers to reflect their love of film and explore where the medium is taking us. It wants to thrive, to respect the past, and to lead the way to a blessed future. It also wants Green Book, <laughs> and I thought, I thought that was a fa- a fantastic way to start the to start the article because wh- whether you like Green Book or not, whether you feel like it makes you feel good or not, I feel like, uh, like you mentioned, f- film Twitter at the very least, of course, of which a part uh, of which Sean is a part, um, seem seems to it see it, it it was kind of almost comparing it, and I don't know if I would go quite this far, but it was almost comparing it to. You know, like a like a surprise win by Donald Trump in the American election, right? Because of what the movie yeah. was about and how, like, you know, how it was kind of a sanitized look at racism in the in, a, in an age where things were not very sanitized in real life, right? And I think a lot of the problems with Green Book also kind of revolved around the idea that not a lot of this stuff actually happened, right? Like, it was more of a fictionalized account instead of a retelling of a true story, if that makes sense, right? So I find, I just find that interesting. I wanted to get your thoughts. A, la- a last thought, because we were talking about Green Book for a while, but, you know, a last thought on maybe what this means for best picture, the Best Picture race going forward, because, of course, we don't know what will be nominated for Best Picture next, next year. Certainly, we don't, but... I just find it interesting because I wonder if this is still a harbinger of, you know, we all say Oscars so white and, you know, they, they're making diversity changes and they're trying to be more inclusive. And then we get a movie like Green Book winning Best Picture. And maybe that suggests that despite like maybe maybe not those things are necessarily lip service, but that we're not as far along as we think, perhaps. There is still uh, a lot of older white men controlling the voting body in the academy, so they will still definitely have play. But the membership getting more and more diverse, more and more younger members being added, I think it'll continue to trend to be more progressive. But there is that still that big sway from the older academy members. And make no mistake, they were the big reason why that Green Book was able to prevail over the more progressive, exciting films. And I mean, it's very probably unfair for Green Book. They're not going to like this, but this is going to be 
They're going to be compared to Crash winning over Brokeback Mountain. They're going to be compared to Shakespeare in Love winning over Saving Private Ryan. Uh, they belong in that pantheon, and that you're already seeing the headlines of that today. It's just not going to be celebrated as uh, one of the better Oscar winners. It probably it's going to be named as the worst of the decade, to be honest. And I know it just happened last night, but I feel very confident that's the way that scholars are going to look at this one. It's interesting to me because I feel like I, I feel like there is a trend, maybe maybe trend's the wrong word, but I feel like perhaps there is something to the theory that when you win Best Picture, it, it almost causes people, and I'm not just talking about Green Book, I'm talking about literally every Best Picture winner ever, right? And I want to get your opinion on this theory, Quentin, because there seems to be a line of thinking that when you win Best Picture, people then, I guess, look at this movie a little more closely, right? And then they say man, you know what? This movie actually sucks because of X, Y, and Z. And I feel like every time, every single year, a Best Picture award uh, is, or a Best Picture uh, movie is awarded, you know, the highest honor. Everyone then kind of jumps out and says, this is why it shouldn't have won, right? And, you know, even if we look back to last year, people were saying, oh, man, you know, The Shape of Water is just about fish sex. And then if you look back a couple of years, you know, the spotlight was boring. And, you know, um, you know, you go back, you just go back every year. And I feel like there's some kind of criticism for why movie X should not have won and why movies, you know, Y, Z and so on should have won. And I feel like. I, I don't know. Do you think? Do you, do you feel? I guess I'll, I'll, I have a second follow-up question, but I want to get your t- take on that first. Because do you think that's true in any in any sense? Oh, absolutely. You know, there always is going to be that uh, judgment. We do seem to become a little bit more eagle-eyed and like, okay, well, this is the best picture. So you have that lens, like you're uh, wanting to point out every little flaw and kind of uh, take apart about, okay, well. Yeah, it's not as good as you think it is because it has this wrong with it. It has this wrong with that. Like, uh, I don't know what that is, but we do seem to all of a sudden have this urge to really want to pick out the flaws. And it sometimes is more uh, better for a film's legacy if they come up just short. So maybe that's the one little positive for uh, some of the superior films in the race not winning is that the scrutiny will be a little bit lessened in the years ahead. Do you, uh, now I'm just thinking, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you kind of want to be in that club. It's like, oh, yeah, this film was great that year. It should have won. Like, uh, you know, that film that on the outside, uh, if that seems to be a better place for films like 20 years after uh, that year's Academy Awards. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just looking at, I was looking up the list of the Best Picture winners just from this decade. I'm not going to go past the decade because I feel like then you could get into, you know, why don't we go before that and before that. So let's just let's stick to 2010, okay? So in so this year is Green Book. Last year was The Shape of Water. The year before was Moonlight, which of course, you know, I feel I feel like honestly I feel like of the decades winner. So let's actually if you go back before it was Moonlight, then Spotlight, Birdman, Twelve Years a Slave was 2013, Argo was in 2012, The Artist was in 2011, and The King's Speech was in 2010. Okay, so in in the year that Moonlight won, and of course that year was kind of for lack of a better term marred by the whole moonlight la la land incorrect best picture envelope uh, controversy the envelope is. scandal yeah. yeah the envelope <laughs> scandal envelope gate can we call it that i don't know <laughs> but uh yes i think so <laughs> um i i like moonlight i feel like of all the movies i just listed i feel like is probably the closest i remember to a movie not being ultra criticized for what it was about, and it's and it's still got criticized. Certainly, it's still got criticized for 
for you know being political for 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 the for its themes of you know homosexuality and how people deal with it and poverty and so on. I feel like it still got criticized for that, but I, I I do feel like looking at the other movies that were nominated that year, it wasn't there wasn't it was pretty much just a, a two horse race between Moonlight and La La Land, right? And if you go back other to other years, like in the year Spotlight won, a lot of people feel like Mad Max should have won, right? If you go back to 2014, Birdman won. A lot of people felt like. Whiplash or Boyhood should have won. Twenty thirteen, Twelve Years a Slave won. You know, I I don't know Gravity. what else could have won that year. Maybe Gravity, Gravity or American probably. Hustle. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they they were nominated. I think uh, Gravity won that director prize. It was considered ultra visionary, and I mean twenty twelve, Argo, but Lincoln could have won that year. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, like there was multiple choices. I think one of the things why Moonlight is as uh, considered a little bit more. Um, safe and not as criticized because they viewed it as the little film that year beating the big booming production of La La Land That's and it true. was being stuffed down everybody's throat that oh yeah La La Land tied the most um, awarded films ever all about even Titanic with 14 nominations it's a big thing and eventually uh, the knives came out for that one and this beautiful film Moonlight was able to win so it was maybe viewed as an underdog overcoming this big giant to win and maybe that's why it doesn't get as picked apart as some of the other winners of this decade. I do feel like maybe the, at least in the decade, I feel like one of the most perhaps, snub, maybe that's maybe a most snubbed, but a movie that was, I feel like, truly snubbed for Best Picture was The Social Network. I feel like that was just a movie of our time, and not only was it of our time, but it was also really damn good, you know? Yeah, The King's Speech is so stayed and so safe. It is basically the green book of that year. <laughs> I, isn't that terrible? We're, we're like uh, less than 24 hours out from the Oscars and people are being, are, we're all, we're, both of you and I are both saying like, oh man, it's the green book of that year. Like, you know, green book is becoming synonymous for like, oh, this movie shouldn't have won. <laughs> yeah, I, I just have very strong feelings about it. I just, uh, I saw that Roma at the tip. And it was just such a beautiful experience. But, I mean, there was a couple of other films that were, would have been great winners. The Favourite, um, Black Klansman, it's just so timely. Black Panther, a uh, cultural phenomenon earlier in the year. That would have been cool. Um, but, yeah. They, but I did, I don't like, even though I'm kind of criticizing the, favor, the Green Book, I don't dislike it as much as other people in mind. Okay. There are some good merits to it. Um, like, I did feel good. I, there was a lot of laughs in that film, but... I don't know. I just saw some superior films this year that would have been better for the times that we live in to win the big prize. Okay, before I let you go, Quentin, because I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I want to get, before you go, I want to get you, I want you to tell me what your biggest, let's say, of the, not, not accounting the movies that just were not nominated for Oscars in the first place, but of the movies that were nominated and did not win, okay? And I guess we can leave Best Picture out of it because we just spent a little bit of time talking about it, but Apart from that award, what was the biggest snub you felt? And then what was your favorite win of the night? Hmm, biggest snub. Uh, I'll go with my favorite one first, since it comes immediately to mind. Um, free solo winning best documentary. Those guys risked their lives to get that documentary. Uh, and their subject could have went plummeting to his death. Uh, so they went through an enormous amount of risk to get those beautiful shots. And they profiled an exhilarating uh, subject, and it was shot in a really awe-inspiring and revolutionary type of fashion. So I'm happy that they went for that rather than a 
by the numbers, boring documentary about a beloved figure, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was the other big contender. So I'm glad that they made that very exciting choice. And I think, uh, sorry, Remy, you did your lip singing. <laughs> Riley Cooper actually sang a song, and he was good. He really was able to channel Sam Elliott and deliver a tremendous performance. I think it would have been great to see him win Best Actor. He just had a very rough time in the award scene in the last uh, couple of months. It just seemed like there was just no momentum or no zip for The Star is Born ever since January, and that is too bad. That was a really great performance. I was hoping maybe there could have been a sympathy run for him, a la what happened to kind of when Ben Affleck was snubbed for director. Everybody rallied around and gave him a picture. I was kind of hoping that that would maybe happen for acting, but nope, Rami got to win, even though he was lip singing and not actually doing his own singing. I feel like for me, I'd probably go with my my favorite win and also my snub are both from the same movie. and. Uh, surrounding if Beale Street could talk, which is a beautiful movie. It's very, it's very, it, it really resonated with me, and I can't quite articulate why. But it was very, it was a very beautiful movie, kind of sad, you know. And I think, I think my the my fa- okay, so my my favorite win of the night was for Regina King. Was Regina King winning for best supporting actress? I just I loved her speech. I yeah. I really liked her dress actually. <laughs> um, you know, there was some. I, I, she wasn't the fa- she she was the favorite, but I feel like of all four acting awards, that was the one at le- at the very least that was that seemed before the night started most ripe for an upset, you know. And I feel well, like I was really happy to see her win. And I, like I said, her speech was was very moving, and it was a great way to start the Oscars. It was the very first award pre- presented. And similarly, the biggest snub I felt was best original score and Black Panther won. And I liked I liked the Black Panther score. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like the Beale Street score, or even if you wanted to go away from that, the Black Klansman score, I thought was pretty good. You know, I just felt that you could have picked a, a little more a score that was a little more expressive, I guess, because I feel like the the most important musical moments of Black Panther weren't this weren't the sweeping instrumentals, but it was the music of Kendrick Lamar. You know, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I just be. I, I I guess I just really liked if Bill Street could talk. And considering I'm trying to look, I'm looking at the list right now. I think it actually. I think the only award it ended up walking away with was actually Best Supporting Actress, um, which is a bit of a surprise to me. Considering even just the night prior to the Oscars, uh, Bill Street had won the top prize at the Spirit Awards, right? So I thought maybe you would walk home with a screenplay award or. Maybe this, that the score award would have been a kind of a, you know, quote-unquote makeup. And the, it was a sympathy, as you mentioned for Bradley Cooper, a sympathy uh, reward. But I guess not, huh? Uh, but I guess the good thing about the screenplay is we got to see Spike Wheatley win a competitive Oscar. And that's true. That was a very nice moment. Samuel L. Jackson doing the presenting. Um, and, I mean, uh, Black Crimes, it's a really good story. I had some problems with the film's pacing and that, but the actual story about this guy... Uh, going undercover in the Ku Klux Klan was very riveting. You and I saw that film together, and we both thought it was great, and it had a lot of impact as it showed the Charlottetown riots. But, yeah, that was a beautiful film by uh, Barry Jenkins. It just came out maybe too late and uh, had all sorts of problems. But uh, it was a really quite a rule-breaking win for Regina King. She wasn't nominated for SAG. She wasn't nominated for BAFTA, but she was able to win anyway. So I think it just threw out all the rules or precedents because uh, all these crazy things could happen 
uh, with the voting, but it was great to see her get rewarded. That was a beautiful speech, uh, wonderful performance of great impact. Uh, but that's quite interesting how she was able to accomplish that, even though she was kind of MIA from the award seat, considering she wasn't nominated by those two bodies. And you mentioned Spike Lee, and that I guess I'll let you go on, on the Spike Lee note, because this, I think that might have been, in terms of not talking about the actual awards or who won or who didn't win, but I think just the the picture that's still of Spike Lee jumping into Samuel Jackson's arms, like kind of cackling as he did so, that was, I think, I think that was my favorite, like, fun moment of the night. You know what I mean? Like, I think Olivia Coleman's speech was a, was a great authentic moment and just like a sheer, almost like glee of seeing Spike Lee win because, you know, we talked about a little bit about Driving Miss Daisy before and, you know, how Green Book is kind of similar to, to that movie and how they both essentially defeated Spike Lee in different categories. And even he joked, I believe, afterwards in the press room uh, to the reporters that every time it involves a mo- uh, someone driving, he loses, which is kind of funny. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Spike Lee, you know, I feel like he's a relatively, like a pretty visionary director for our time. And even though I think for you and I, considering we work in the world of sports, we, I feel like, interact with Spike Lee more on the sidelines of New York Knicks games. Uh, I feel yeah. like it's pretty cool to see him win a, an Oscar, a competitive Oscar, I should say, finally. Absolutely. A uh, long time coming for him. And uh, yeah, I'll say one thing. He was probably not happy at all. Like he compared the uh, win of Green Book to a referee making a bad call. He <laughs> yeah, was trying exactly. to actually leave the ceremony apparently because he just didn't want to be in the room uh, watching that take place. So I'm sure there was a lot of people that were feeling that sentiment, but I overall was very pleased. Um, I was, of course, happy that Roma got the love to like, have to, well, what Alfonso Caron did, you know, editing shooting, uh, directing, and discovering uh, the amazing Yelitsa Aparicio to be the vessel for this film, I was happy that uh, Roma and Netflix had the night that they did. That's a runner-up, of course, to uh, Free Solo getting that win in documentary. A lot of great moments last night. Yeah, there were there were a ton of great moments. I I, I, I like the hostless Oscars. Sounds like you did too. And I'm I'm interested to see what goes on next next year, of course. And I, I'm interested to see. I I do think at the very least that while a hostless Oscars is better than having a bad host, I feel like there is something truly unique about having a good host shepherd along the proceedings, right? And I'm talking about like prime Billy Crystal. If you want to go back even further, prime. You know, Bob Hope, I feel like even having... Uh, what's that? Hugh Jackson was amazing. Hugh Jackson was fantastic. He yeah, he was he was yeah. great. You know, I, I, I frankly, I liked Ellen DeGeneres. I thought she was funny. I, I liked um, uh, Jon Stewart. You know, I, I, I'm not saying you should always go the, the, the role of like getting comedians or, or musical uh, actors, for example, in the, in, the, in the vein of Hugh Jackson. But I, I guess what I'm saying is there is, there is something to be said for having a good host. Well, whereas, you know, we all know what it's like to have, you know, bad hosts. Absolutely. So I'm, yeah, I'm very curious. I really liked that ceremony last night. Had a lot of good uh, looks to it for sure. And uh, yeah, I think the fact that they were able to really build it around the great music. This was one of probably the best music classes that they've ever had to original score. So uh, that was a very kind of a smart move uh, unintentionally because they were intending to get a host at one point, Kevin Hart, that obviously didn't work out, but uh, the fact that they had good songs to build a night around, uh, you said that the date night was leading up to Shallow. 
that was a good climax of that ceremony, no doubt about it. And yeah, I, I feel like with Kevin Hart, you know, I, I actually like Kevin Hart. I, I admit, I, th- I find his comedy is entertaining at the very least. But you know, the uh, like it would have started about how, uh, there would have been jokes about how he's shorter than the statue and like how night school didn't get enough love. So I feel like ultimately, yeah. I feel like we didn't really miss out on that much. And you know what? I think I, I, I tweeted this out. And I think you and I kind of interacted about this over Twitter, but it got me in bed like about half an hour earlier than it ever has. So you know what? I'm all for it. Absolutely. All right, Quentin. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, I hope you manage to stay warm out in Alberta, and I will see you when we come back. We'll have to hit up a movie when you're back in Toronto. Sounds great. So thank you so much. Thanks again to Quentin Edmondson, my friend and hockey broadcaster, who joined us over the phone from Alberta. Of course, we're in Toronto. He got to see the uh, potential class of the NHL for 2021, perhaps the future of Team Canada on the women's side, who knows? Of course, the way hockey works, we probably won't see any of these players until at least 2023 or 2024, which is kind of crazy considering it's still only 2019. Is it really only 2019? Or is it, oh my gosh, we're already in 2019? I can't tell. I can never tell. I don't know at what point we switch over it, when it's early or late. I'm not actually sure. But regardless, I'm excited for Quentin. I'm excited that we got the chance to speak to him You know, the Oscars are in the books. The 91st Academy Awards are in the books, I should say. And uh, Green Book is your Best Picture winner. We got Rami Malek, Olivia Colman, Mahershala Ali, and Regina King as your your acting winners, let's call them, until next year. They'll probably present at the Oscars next year for the categories that they were award winners for, as has now become customary, but... I only wanted to do a quick Oscars recap this week, so that'll be all for me tonight. I believe we'll come back in a couple of weeks, and we're actually ramping up towards the summer blockbuster season, which is one of my favorite times of year, so we will be back with all sorts of movies, but for now, you have been listening to the Showtime Movie Podcast. My name is Show. Thank you for listening. Have a great night. Gotta go hard. Gotta go hard. I ain't got time to wait. I ain't got time. I gotta go hard.